Hello and welcome to another Use of Force. For this week, our walk around the stadiums of New York City, we're going to be talking about an incident that took place in 2013 at the Brooklyn Central Booking Facility. It took place on July 21st, 2013, and involved a woman named Kayim Livingston. In this particular instance, there is no use of force report explicitly to read, as there was no discharge of firearms in this case. Instead, this was an instance of neglect that took place in the central booking facility while Kayam was awaiting a judge. And so what happened here, as based on reporting from that year and subsequent years, is that Kayam Livingston, a 37-year-old mother of two, died in police custody after complaining of upper abdominal pain for over seven hours while in central booking, waiting to see a judge. Her complaints were ignored by the NYPD, and she ultimately died on the scene, uh, but there is some discrepancy with all of this. Mm. As far as the official police report versus what the family believes happened versus what some other reporting uh, claims. Mm. We can say that the story that seems to persist up until uh, reports as, as late as this past year was that Kayam got into an argument with her 79-year-old grandmother, mm-hmm. Teresa Johnson, while drinking a bottle of vodka. Although the altercation was not violent, Livingston violated a specialized order of protection that her grandmother filled prohibiting alcohol or fighting in the home. Mm. And so police arrived to the residence like an hour later and started to escort Livingston off the premises and arrest her. The officers transported Livingston to first, first to Kings County Hospital to treat her apparent intoxication and eight hours later, she was taken to the holding cell in Brooklyn Central Brooking. And again, she was complaining of stomach cramps, upper mm. abdominal pain, diarrhea, and received no help or treatment from the officers. At that point, she started to suffer from seizures. Oh my gosh. And that's when the officers acknowledged her complaints of ill health. And then emergency personnel arrived on the scene at 6.40 a.m. Wow. So she was in. She was actually in the holding cell for twenty hours, but was in pain for as many as seven hours mm. before she was taken to the hospital, and she was pronounced dead at six fifty-eight. At the hospital. At again? the hospital. Or at, yeah. Okay. Wow. And so. But only eighteen minutes after they arrived. Right. And the medical examiner ruled Livingston's death to be from natural causes due to an alcoholic seizure. resulting from chronic alcoholism. So again, the the story that seems to be recurring in in articles later than 2013 is the one that there was an altercation with her grandmother Mm. while she was drinking a bottle of vodka. Okay. 
there is a, another article I found from uh, a website called News One, and their about page describes themselves as your destination for news and information for and about blacks in America, filled with original stories, diverse opinions, photos, videos, and polls. News One is dedicated to deepening out audiences' understanding about current events and their impact on black lives. So there was an article that was written in 2014 from News One. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but the, the highlights of it basically are that the toxicology report revealed that she was sober before her death. Oh. So the this idea that she was experiencing uh, you know that it was as that there was the vodka bottle kind mm -hmm. of is misaligned yeah I mean it's it's I guess I don't really know too much about how this actually works but in one thing you read it said that she experienced seizures based on alcoholism correct so I guess it would also be possible that she was experiencing some sort of withdrawal experience, you know, symptoms or something. So she could be sober, but that could have maybe been part of the problem. Right, right. What the News One article is seeking to distinguish, uh, among other things, is the idea of perception of intoxication versus actual intoxication. Mm. So the per the official criminal complaint, the informant observed the defendant to have slurred speech and an unsteady gait and appeared to be under the influence of alcohol. Okay. Appeared to be under the influence of alcohol. Now, after the police uh, took her in and brought her to the Kings County Hospital, there's a chart, this is prior to the uh, being at Central Booking, mm -hmm. that does not note that there was a, a blood test, a urine sample, or a breathalyzer test mm -hmm. having been taken on intake. And so the idea here, I mean, the, the narrative being that there, you know, she was drunk and got taken into custody is not quite the same as perhaps her experiencing seizures because of withdrawals or right. something similar. Right. And perhaps, you know, she was experiencing some type of uh, additional health issue and then perhaps the alcohol withdrawals exacerbated the situation mm -hmm. or, or something. Yeah, and I mean, I do wonder what, you know, if she was taken into a hospital before going to central booking, I wonder what they did test at that time if they didn't have urine samples or a breathalyzer or I think you said blood test. They yeah. Then what were they doing in that Eight hours was it that she was at the hospital before going into central booking? What what was it that you know they they checked? Right. And and I'm not not to say that they didn't check anything there. I I do understand that sometimes people go to the doctor or go to the hospital and then you know I, I understand that this isn't the only time that this ever happens where you go to the doctor and get checked out and then. You're not doing okay. 
Yeah. Um, either they don't catch it or it's something that doesn't show up till later, you know. Yeah. But I do wonder what it was that was actually done there or if it was just sort of used as holding as well. You know, sometimes in the ER you're there for hours and right. nothing really happens. So dispatch instructions to the NYPD officers were that they were to get prompt medical attention if any of the following should occur. And two of them were severe shakiness or seizure oh, wow. and increasing upper abdominal pain. Oh, wow. So they, they must have done something and understood something. It sounds like they understood more than maybe what is being made public, but just uh, an uneducated guess would, you know, they either noticed a health condition to watch out for or they understood the symptoms of maybe withdrawal of alcohol or right something like that wow okay and so so the police were so that was what sort of one of the first things i was thinking was you know reconciling this issue obviously this is horrible and it would have been it's really scary to think that someone could be you know in there's a handful of places where you sort of expect that if you're struggling, someone might help you. And I think being around police officers, you would think that if you're having a health problem, that you know they're supposed to take care of you. And it's it's really scary that you know you could be expressing that you're in pain and just being ignored. Um, but at the same time, I can also imagine that being a police officer in a holding cell you might be hearing from a lot of people many different things you know as attempt to get out of the cell and I could I could see how you know you could start to think of it as like a boy who cried wolf type of situation and and ignore it but the fact that they had clear instructions specific to this woman if these things happen don't ignore them and then still ignored them that's i mean i'm not advocating for ignoring anyone that's saying they're in pain even if you think that they're lying but right this is particularly bad yeah and devastating because it sounds like they could have possibly just taken her back to the hospital and had her treated they right. it sounds like something that they knew how to fix, otherwise they wouldn't have said to look out for those things. Right. So some other details from this article. The the other inmates were calling on her behalf for her. Wow. And the, the officer told Livingston, shut up before we lose your paperwork and you won't be seen by a judge. Oh my gosh. And on the subject of paperwork, the attorney on behalf of the Livingston family uh, requested a copy of the ambulance call and any medical records documenting treatment rendered. Mm -hmm. And the hospital's response was that they were unable to comply with the request for the following reason, that they show no treatment at this facility for the dates of service you requested. Oh, wow. So either there was no documentation or the documentation was intentionally lost. Wow. This is all, again, this is all from this one article. Right. And I haven't seen subsequent articles that 
incorporate this information. Mm. I don't have reason to doubt it, but I, right. I, I'm just, it's more, it's more interesting to me that it hasn't been picked up. Right. Uh, what we can say about this uh, instance on the scale of uh, community activity, you know, some weeks we have quite literally unidentified people that mm -hmm. have had no backstory. And then we have people that have a, a robust uh, background of uh, grassroots support. Uh, this case in particular is fairly active, mm. was particularly active for the first three or four years. There was a, a vigil uh, every 21st of the month. Oh, wow on Church uh, Church and 18th Street in Brooklyn. Oh. And it's still, there was one last year during the pandemic mm. uh, celebrating or, you know, commemorating the instance, mm -hmm. the day of her death. And there are still, you know, there's there's articles as, as late as with, within 2020 talking about it and uh, I, I have reason to believe that there will probably be another vigil this year. Right. And so th there is a, an effort to to have Kayam's story be uh, in the current zeitgeist of of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. Right. And there are definitely still questions surrounding this that that need to be answered. It seems like it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I wonder if there's a way to answer these questions. Yeah. Or even if there's not, you know, there, it, it is a it is definitely something to think about. I think, um, you know, even if the questions can't be answered, we're still able to understand that a woman was expressing a need for help while she was in custody of the state and the people that were there that were supposed to be guarding her and also really are supposed to be helping those people. Like that's what that job is. They didn't help and they used their power against her and that's not acceptable. And so even if we can't find the information and you know, hopefully there can be more information found um, specifically related to this incident, I do think that it's also just an important um, thing to look at that some of these police officers are clearly so jaded or, you know, just probably, and, and I, I can kind of understand how that could happen, honestly, that, you know, you could be overwhelmed by lots of negative experiences that you don't believe someone or you don't want to help them or you just want to use your power when you can because you might feel sort of you know powerless in the rest of your life or something I'm reading into it a lot but it, it's not acceptable <laughs> I think it has less to do with any individual and more to do with just how the institutions are set up yeah you know, they those uh famous experiments they did with the college students when they right. put some of them as the inmates and some of them as the 
officers right. and then they started just playing out behavior that we see in the real world. Yeah. That the current system of detaining people is just uh, makes monsters of anybody that has to be on that side of the situation. That's probably true. Yeah, it's brutal and it's cruel. And the way that we treat people that have committed what we've considered to be a crime or haven't even, you know, are still in the innocent before proven guilty phase. In this case, this was just in a holding cell before seeing the judge. Like this woman didn't do anything legally wrong yet, <laughs> you know, on paper. And the way that we treat people that, you know, we think maybe did something that we as society has decided is bad, it's really abhorrent. And yeah, I mean, I think when you said that the other people in the cell were also calling out on her behalf, that's also a really interesting thing to think about, um, just that concept of you know, again, it's like the people that we have locked away and said are like the terrors of society. And then here they are, the only people that were actually trying to help this woman. So like, you know, just think about that for a minute. The people that we look up to are the ones that let her die. And the people that we send away are the ones that wanted to help save her. Right. Or the ones, the people that we're supposed to look up to. Well, and the people yeah. we're supposed to look down on. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. It's clearly just a really twisted system that we have. And um, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all the same. Yeah. So to categorize like this is just completely false. Yeah. One last thing I want to call out is. Several weeks ago, we we did a use of force um, involving Chantel Davis, mm -hmm. and Chantel Davis had a, a event through the Len Ragazin Foundation. Right. And Kayam also has a scholarship through the Len oh, wow. Ragazin Foundation, and in fact, in 2016 during a march for Sandra Bland, who was a Texas woman that was, was famously um, also killed in, while in custody mm. by police, that there was, a, um, there was a, a march where Chantel Davis and, and Kayan Livingston's family spoke. Mm. Uh, along with Sharisa Francis, who is another uh, woman that we spoke about in a use of force instance, mm. where she was uh, smothered in her home. Yeah. And... She was having a mental yeah. incident and, yeah, wasn't taken care of. So it's... It is encouraging... And insofar as there is a, a community of people that are that want to fight this, yeah, and, and they find each other and are able to provide support for each other, right, right, and not just people that have 
I mean, it sounds like a lot of people that have been directly affected, unfortunately, but also, you know, the person that set up the foundation and that funds the scholarship, I don't think that he's been personally affected, right? He's just, he's someone that is interested in... He, w- I mean, he, we, we had spoken on the previous episode, he had passed away, but yes, the, yeah. the foundation was interested in... in uh, forwarding these causes right and and yeah and it seems like you know the, there are communities that are coming together to talk about it and look for a better system so yeah there's some hope yeah so that's it for this week as i said because there is a lot of energy and that's still maintained to this day around this case, uh, there may well be things that we haven't covered yeah. in our talking about this. Yeah, and so. if, yeah, if there's anyone listening that knows something that we don't know, please let us know. Yeah, please. We're always interested in, in learning more about these instances, and we want to be able to uh, communicate things properly. So that's it for now. Take care. Bye. Bye.